0: Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today is Day 80 in our exploration of this wonderful Catechism. We are currently engaged in the study of the Sacrament of Penance as it's set forth in this Catechism, and uh, so far we've spoken uh, uh, mostly about the matter of the sacrament. And we said that the matter of the sacrament are the three acts of the penitent, namely Uh, contrition, confession, and satisfaction. And then we also made an interesting distinction between proximate matter and remote matter. The remote matter uh, might be considered the sins that the penitent brings uh, to the sacrament. Uh, The remote matter is the object of the actions that he performs. And today we are going to talk about the form of this sacrament. It's very interesting that um, the church... Um, understands the sacraments following um, the philosophy of of Aristotle in his understanding of nature when uh, Aristotle demonstrates in his physics that every natural thing it can be reduced in our understanding to its matter and its form and then inspired by St. Paul when he says through the visible things of this world we Uh, can understand or see the invisible things of God. This is just a wonderful example of how Aristotle gave a gift to humanity in his understanding of nature because then the church can use that understanding to understand the sacraments. Or rather we should say the church through Aristotle's uh, discovery of these principles in nature is able to understand more fully these mysterious sacraments bestowed by Jesus Christ and given to the Church for our salvation. So on that note we are going to talk about the form of the sacrament of penance and in the last day we read the section in the Catechism where the Catechism said that the form of the sacrament is are the words I absolve thee. And we'd already read that section Began, pastors should not neglect to explain the form of the sacrament of penance. A knowledge of it will excite the faithful to receive the grace of this sacrament with the greatest possible devotion. Now, the form is I absolve thee, as may be inferred not only from the words, Whatsoever you shall bind upon earth shall be bound also in heaven, but also from the teaching of Christ our Lord handed down to us by the apostles. Now, again, we'd already read the rest of that section. I thought what we should do today is turn to the Summa Theologica, where St. Thomas explains this more fully. Um, and This is in the third part of the Summa, question 84. And in question 84, article 3, we have St. Thomas asking whether the form of this sacrament is, I absolve thee. And uh, sometimes we don't read the entire um, article. Um, We skip over the objections and just read the reply. Uh, Today, I thought it would be useful to read some of the objections. There are five objections. I think we'll just read two or three and then see his reply to these because they're very interesting. So, let's read the first objection in this article. St. Thomas writes, or he has the, in the words of the objector, it says, It would seem that the form of this sacrament is not, I absolve thee, because the forms of the sacraments are received from Christ's institution and the Church's custom. But we do not read that Christ instituted this form, nor is it in common use. In fact, in certain absolutions which are given publicly in church, for example, at Prime and Compline and on Maundy Thursday, absolution is given not in the indicative form by saying, I absolve thee, but in the deprecatory form by saying, May Almighty God have mercy on you, or may Almighty God grant you absolution and forgiveness. Therefore, the form of this sacrament is not, I absolve thee. So that's a great first objection. We know that every sacrament is defined as a sacred sign instituted by Christ. And so the objector is saying he doesn't see that Christ instituted the form of the sacrament anywhere in Scripture. So that's the first objection. The second objection, or rather, let's go to the third objection. uh, St. Thomas has the objector say, Further, to absolve from sin is the same as to remit sin. But God alone remits sin, for he alone cleanses man inwardly from sin, as Augustine says. Therefore, it seems that God alone absolves from sin. Therefore, the priest should say not, I absolve thee, as neither does he say, I remit thy sins. So that's a good objection, too. Um, How can a priest say I absolve thee. That's something that only God can do. And finally, let's read the fourth objection. Further, just as our Lord gave his disciples the power to absolve from sins, so also did he give them the power to heal infirmities, to cast out devils, and to cure diseases, which we read about in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 and in Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Now the apostles, in healing the sick, did not use the words, I heal thee, but the Lord Jesus Christ heal thee, as Peter said to the palsied man in Acts 9, verse 34. Therefore, since priests have the power which Christ gave his apostles, it seems that they should not use the form, I absolve thee, but may Christ absolve thee. So there's three objections, um, three out of the five. I thought those would be interesting to see how St. Thomas answers those and uh, for the light that they'll shed on the sacraments. But in the meantime, let's go to the um, On the Contrary, where St. Thomas starts responding. He says, On the Contrary, as our Lord said to his disciples, this is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, going, teach ye all nations, baptizing them, Etc. So did he say to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth Now the priest relying on the authority of those words of Christ says I baptize thee Therefore on this same authority he should say in this sacrament. I absolve thee So that's a short little uh, response where st. Thomas is grounding the words of this form in Scripture So he goes on to reply, he says, I answer that the perfection of a thing is ascribed to its form. Now, it has been stated above that this sacrament is perfected by that which is done by the priest. Wherefore, the part taken by the penitent, whether it consists of words or deeds, must needs be the matter of the sacrament, while the part taken by the priest takes the place of the form. Now since the Sacraments of the New Law accomplish what they signify, as stated above, it behooves the sacramental form to signify the sacramental effect in a manner that is in keeping with the matter. Hence the form of baptism is, I baptize thee, and the form of confirmation is, I sign thee with the sign of the cross, and I confirm thee with the chrism of salvation because these sacraments are perfected in the use of their matter. While in the sacrament of the Eucharist, which consists in the very consecration of the matter, the reality of the consecration is expressed in the words, This is my body. Now this sacrament, namely the sacrament of penance, consists not in the consecration of a matter, nor in the use of a hallowed matter, but rather in the removal of a certain matter, namely sin insofar as sins are said to be the matter of penance, as explained above. This removal is expressed by the priest saying, I absolve thee, because sins are fetters, according to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. His own iniquities catch the wicked, and he is fast bound with the ropes of his own sins. Wherefore, it is evident that this is the most fitting form of this sacrament, I absolve thee." So there, there's St. Thomas's reply that those words are in fact the form of the sacrament of penance. And of course um, the Church teaches that. St. Thomas acquiesces to the authority of the Church and so his reply really gives a good argument for why uh, those words are the form and ought to be the form. Why it's fitting that they should be the form. And so let's now turn to how, how does he respond to these objectors? So the first objector says, well, where, where are those words in Scripture? Well, he's answered that a little bit already by um, the words that Christ spoke to St. Peter, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, etc. But anyway, the reply to the obje- first objection is, this form is taken from Christ's very words, which he addressed to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, etc., and such is the form employed by the church in sacramental absolution. But such absolutions as are given in public are not sacramental, but are prayers for the remission of venial sins. Wherefore, in giving sacramental absolution, it would not suffice to say, May Almighty God have mercy on thee, or may God grant thee absolution and forgiveness, because by such words the priest does not signify the giving of absolution, but prays that it may be given. Nevertheless, the above prayer is said before the sacramental absolution is given, lest the sacramental effect be hindered on the part of the penitent, whose acts are as matter in this sacrament, but not in baptism or confirmation. So St. Thomas, uh, that's how he answers the first objection. And uh, notice he um, keeps reinforcing this idea that the sacraments effect what they signify so um, he the priest doesn't say in confession may god grant the absolution he's not using the deprecatory form but he's using the um the emphatic or indicative form um, i absolve thee uh, to show how the sacrament affects what it signifies let's go to the reply to the objection the third objection that we read St. Thomas says, God alone absolves from sins and forgives sins authoritatively, yet priests do both ministerially because the words of the priest in the sacrament work as instruments of the divine power, as in the other sacraments, because it is the divine power that works inwardly in all the sacramental signs, be they things or words as shown above. Wherefore our Lord expressed both, for he said to Peter, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, etc., and to his disciples, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. Yet the priest says, I absolve thee, rather than, I forgive thee thy sins, because it is more in keeping with the words of our Lord by expressing the power of the keys whereby priests absolve. Nevertheless, since the priest absolves ministerially, something is suitably added in reference to the supreme authority of God by the priest saying, I absolve thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, or by the power of Christ's passion, or by the authority of God. However, as this is not defined by the words of Christ, as it is for baptism, this addition is left to the discretion of the priest. So there we see that St. Thomas reinforces this idea that in all the sacraments, the priest are not the source of the power or the effect of the sacrament, but they act as ministers of God's power. And to further clarify how the priest acts as a minister, um, let's read the reply to the, the last objection that we read, uh, which we, where we said that the, um, in the gospel we, we read when the uh, apostles would heal people, they would say, They would um, say things like, be healed, or the Lord Jesus Christ heal thee, as Peter said to the palsy man. So why doesn't the priest say, the Lord Jesus Christ absolve thee? Well, St. Thomas doubles down on this idea that the priest is a minister of God's power. So he says, power was given to the apostles, not that they themselves might heal the sick, but that the sick might be healed at the prayer of the apostles whereas power was given to them to work instrumentally or ministerially in the sacraments. Wherefore, they could express their own agency in the sacramental forms rather than in the healing of infirmities. Nevertheless, in the latter case, they did not always use the deprecatory form, but sometimes employed the indicative or imperative. Thus we read in Acts chapter 3 that Peter said to the lame man, What I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk." So sometimes, uh, sometimes the apostles apparently didn't just always um, um, use the deprecatory form, but they used this more emphatic or imperative form, uh, showing that the power of God acts through them as ministers. And now, let's turn to one more article in the Summa. This is just very interesting. Because one might wonder, in the rite of penance, when when the sacrament of penance is being conferred on the penitent, uh, does the priest need to impose his hands? Does there need to be an imposition of hands, like there has to be in the sacrament of confirmation or of holy orders? And so there's some very interesting things here about why sometimes the priest or the bishop has to, there has to be an imposition of hands So we'll we'll just turn, this is the fourth article in the same question, question 84. And the article title is whether the imposition of the priest's hands is necessary for this sacrament. And again, uh, let's just read a couple of objections. The first objection is it would seem that the imposition of the priest's hands is necessary for this sacrament. For it is written in Mark chapter 16, they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Now sinners are sick spiritually and obtain recovery through the sacrament. Therefore, an imposition of hands should be made in this sacrament. The second objection is, further, in this sacrament, man regains the Holy Ghost, whom he had lost. Wherefore, it is said in the person of the penitent, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and strengthen me with a perfect spirit. Now the Holy Ghost is given by the imposition of hands, for we read in Acts chapter 8, that the apostles laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Ghost. And in Matthew chapter 19, that little children were presented to our Lord, that he should impose hands upon them. Therefore, an imposition of hands should be made in this sacrament. Finally, the third objection. Further, the priest's words, are not more efficacious in this than in the other sacraments. But in the other sacraments, the words of the minister do not suffice unless he performs some action. Thus, in baptism, the priest, while saying, I baptize thee, has to perform a bodily washing. Therefore, also while saying, I absolve thee, the priest should perform some action in regard to the penitent by laying hands on him. So those are three good objections. Um, Some of the other sacraments, the priest actually does something, um, whether washing or um, imposing hands. And so it would seem like um, in the sacrament of penance, there should be some kind of imposition of hands. I can see why someone might think that. Uh, St. Thomas responds, On the contrary, when our Lord said to Peter, Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth... Shall be loose in heaven, etc. He made no mention of an imposition of hands. Nor did he, nor did he, when he said to the apostles, in John chapter twenty, "Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them." Therefore, no imposition of hands is required for the sacrament. So sometimes these, uh, on the contrary, are just a small testament from the authority of Scripture that, you know, it's, hey, there's no imposition of hands when Christ talked about um, the. Loosening of um, sins. So St. Thomas continues, I answer that in the sacraments of the church, the imposition of hands is made to signify some abundant effect of grace through those on whom the hands are laid, being, as it were, united to the ministers in whom grace should be plentiful. Wherefore, an imposition of hands is made in the sacrament of confirmation wherein the fullness of the Holy Ghost is conferred, and in the sacrament of order, wherein is bestowed a certain excellence of power over the divine mysteries. Hence it is written in 2 Timothy, Stir up the grace of God which is in thee by the imposition of my hands. Now the sacrament of penance is ordained, not that man may receive some abundance of grace, but that his sins may be taken away, and therefore no imposition of hands is required for the sacrament, as neither is there for baptism, wherein nevertheless a fuller remission of sins is bestowed. So that's the reply, and um, I think that's very interesting just because it sheds light on this whole imposition of hands uh, business. When when does the minister impose his hands, and when doesn't he? And so St. Thomas says, only in those sacraments in which there's this abundance of grace uh, as, as the effect of a sacrament, like, like in confirmation or in holy orders. Whereas in, uh, in, in penance, it's not about an abundance of grace being conferred, but it's really about sins being taken away. And so St. Thomas also says uh, that's, that's actually the case in baptism as well. Uh, But let's read the reply to the objections for some further light on this. St. Thomas says in the first reply, he says, That imposition of hands is not sacramental, but is intended for the working of miracles. Namely, that by the contact of a sanctified man's hand, even bodily infirmity might be removed, even as we read of our Lord, that he cured the sick, laying his hands upon them, and that he cleansed a leper by touching him. So his reply to the first objector is that the imposition of hands there was for a physical um, healing. And uh, in the reply to the objection two, he says: it is not every reception of the Holy Ghost that requires an imposition of hands, since even in baptism, man receives the Holy Ghost without any imposition of hands. It is at the reception of the fullness of of the Holy Ghost, which belongs to confirmation, that an imposition of hands is required. And finally, the reply to the third objection St. Thomas says, In those sacraments which are perfected in the use of the matter, the minister has to perform some bodily action on the recipient of the sacrament. For example, in baptism, confirmation, and extreme unction. Whereas this sacrament does not consist in the use of matter employed hourly, the matter being supplied by the part taken by the penitent, wherefore just as in the Eucharist the priest perfects the sacrament by merely pronouncing the words over the matter, so the mere words which the priest, while absolving, pronounces over the penitent perfect the sacrament of absolution, if indeed any bodily act were necessarily necessary on the part of the priest sign of the cross which is employed in the eucharist would not be less becoming than the imposition of hands in token that sins are forgiven through the blood of christ crucified and yet this is not essential to the sacrament as neither is it to the eucharist so thank you for joining me in this episode of exploring the catechism the council of trent in a year I'm Mark Langley, and we look forward to discussing the sacrament of penance further with you next time.